It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. And this is our review of his house. Congratulations. You're being released as asylum seekers. Not as citizens, not yet. You will be sent to a home of our choosing. You must not move from this address. We are good people. Whether or not you're good people, it's not me that needs convincing. It's a palace. This entire house is just for us. You're gonna be nice, you're gonna be happy. As long as you can get along, fit in, be one of the good ones. This is our home. All I can taste is the metal. We'll get used to it. everybody you just listening to the trailer for his house and the story is as follows a refugee couple makes a harrowing escape from war-torn south sudan but then they struggle to adjust to their new life in an english town that has an evil lurking beneath the surface the film is starring wumi masaku shape derizu and matt smith it is written and directed by remy weeks joining me for this podcast review i have josh parham hello hello Dan Bear. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween indeed. And here we are on the Next Best Picture podcast talking about what I think is maybe the best horror film that we have seen in 2020 so far. We've been pretty light on horror all around. Uh, I mean, we got The Lodge. We have Run coming up in a few days, but that's more of a thriller than anything. Uh, We had Sputnik. Can anyone else think of any of our horror films off the top of their head from this year? The Invisible Man. Oh, yeah. There was a little film called The Invisible Man. (laughs) (laughs) 
But in all seriousness, though, another film from Netflix this week, a smaller one to be sure, uh, other than Matt Smith, names that no one has ever heard of. Uh, it's a, a directorial debut for Rebby Weeks here. His house premiered at the Sundance Film Festival, where I had a chance to see it. I remember it already had distribution from Netflix. So I went in, like, thinking, ugh. I could be seeing something else right now. I know that this is eventually going to come out. And, well, you know, to be to be fair, Netflix doesn't have, in my opinion, the best track record of debuting films at Sundance. So definitely had some reservations about this one. But I emerged uh, from my screening of that uh, with the overall impression of that was pretty solid. That was really good. And so I, you know, anxiously awaited to see when people were going to get a chance to see this. What great timing for it to be the big horror release this weekend over uh, Halloween, and unless if you count Come Play, which I don't know who else is watching that. But for those of you that are staying at home and not going to movie theaters, this is why we are talking about His House. So let's pass it over first to Josh Parham. Josh, what did you think of His House? So watching this movie was actually kind of interesting to me because the first half of it, I have to admit, struggling a little bit with this film i was appreciating a lot that was happening there's a lot of good craft on display and the performances are really good but it kind of felt like there was something missing that really let me fully get invested in the story and these characters and that was a bit frustrating but there is a moment where you get basically a twist and you get a lot more context about what these characters are going through and what exactly is sort of fueling this haunting that they're going through. And I found that revelation to be very much needed. And it ended up providing a lot more nuance and complexity to this story. And I found myself getting much more invested in not just the overall atmosphere that it had created, but also the commentary on a lot of different themes of kind of immigrant experience and assimilation and xenophobia and all of these really interesting concepts wrapped within this horror premise. And I don't think that really comes together until you get that information, which I still think is a little bit of a shame that the first half suffers from that still. But at the end of the day, I still found it to be really interesting. And I agree that it's a fascinating horror film that I ended up really liking by the end. I do agree with you that I think the first part of this movie is a little slow to get going you're definitely invested in what's happening because the perspective is so unique i can't think of uh, many horror movies or even movies in general that actually touch upon uh, some of the story beats that these characters are going through in this movie and especially putting it into the horror genre um, it's definitely a mixture that was a unique viewing experience to say the least uh, to your point, though, Josh, I definitely think that the second half of this film is a lot stronger than the first half because you're right that, that that's when more of the emotional complexity starts to shine through. And, you know, the horror starts to become more psychological, traumatic, and, you know, you really, really start thinking about uh, some of the actual real life horrors that uh, people have experienced and sacrifices that have been made. And it kind of just helps uh, maybe some more of the underlying themes of the first part to be a little bit more heightened and uh, thus elevating the whole film. Dan, what did you think? Um, I have a lot of agreement with Josh on this, actually. Um, the, the first half of the movie, it, it's kind it's not exactly 
wrote because it like you were saying this is a subject that like is tackled by so few movies in general let alone horror movies but it did feel a little like okay we've kind of seen this sort of plot before but i i was still interested because of these characters and the situation they were in um and how they were making it making the whole situation feel very specific to those circumstances. And then a really weird thing happened, which is right when they start to make it a bit iral groan inducing with the, Oh, we're really going, we're really going to explain to you exactly what we're doing here in terms of the metaphor. Um, right. As they did that, the style of the movie got a lot more interesting and difficult to parse. And there are things where like, you're not sure if it's a flashback or a dream or something that's actually happening. And I found myself even more involved with it because of that. And a little bit frustrated, but in a good way, like I was as I was being told exactly what the movie was doing. I then had to figure out something else, which I, I don't think is anything that I've really seen in another movie before. And I was kind of impressed with it. I want to actually uh, first start off by praising uh, Remy Weeks. This is his directorial debut, as mm -hmm. I mentioned before, with his house. And, you know, to your point there, Dan, there is a tremendous amount of style in the second half of the movie. But the first half, very understated very controlled, very much focusing on the characters. And all throughout, I was thinking, you know, this is very unshowy cinematography, but it's sharp. It's very crisp. It's got great shadows and uh, great, you know, attention to detail in terms of atmosphere. And then when we get into the second half, things start getting a little bit more batshit crazy in terms of visuals. But Man, oh man, the idea of what you're talking about in terms of, is it real? Is it not? Is it a dream? You know, that was really, really creative in terms of um, really getting us to become more um, invested in what we were watching on screen, I felt like. And, you know, that could have easily been undone with cheap production value, bad visual effects, but... I have to admit, I think the small scale nature of this movie, it's very much confined to this one house and it doesn't really open up all that much. But when it does, you still feel very constricted to this hallucinogenic dreamlike atmosphere um, that does feel very uncomfortable and genuinely creepy. Yeah, it's really effective filmmaking that utilizes the kind of like limited means of the story, but has a very focused and controlled method in executing that like very, as you said, Matt, like that atmosphere of just tension and dread. And I think in the first half, it's just mostly tension and, and within the atmosphere. And I don't know if that's as effective as what happens in the second half, where it goes a little bit deeper into actual character and emotional catharsis. And I think that's where it really starts to ramp up in terms of its effectiveness. I, I just sort of wish that we had a little bit more of that in the first half. And I kind of understand that it wants to sort of present these developments within the story as like this big revelation that it wants to hide from you. But I also don't really know if it was completely necessary to hide all of that. I think that 
I was really missing more of that information in the first half. And I think I would have had a stronger relationship to these characters all the way through the movie instead of just in the second half. But you know what really got me in the first half, though, in terms of uh, just my engagement, even if it wasn't, you know, full blown jump scare horrors or, you know, the effective creepy atmosphere that we get like in the second half. The real world horror of this um, this husband and wife who are genuinely good people and they are just seeking asylum in the UK and having to go through uh, the government process of housing and all the checks and balances that are required from them with it. It's genuinely stressful and I think the movie does a good job of kind of getting us to align with the character's own anxieties that they are feeling just in that real world, real life kind of a situation. Yeah, and the the argument that they are having essentially between uh, the argument over assimilation and how much of – you know, how much English they want to be versus how much they want to, you know, still live their heritage as as embodied by, you know, each one of them. The husband traditionally, I guess, is very, yes, we must eat with forks and, you know, dress in the latest fashions and all this stuff, um, whereas his wife is much more like, no, I want to still be me. And I yeah. thought that was really interesting. And the way that that tied into the horror elements i i really responded to i always feel that the best horror movies out there are ones that can almost make you forget that you're watching a horror movie because the real anxiety is so rooted within actual like real world conflicts that it complements the more yes. heightened horror elements but it also feels like you're compelled to just watch people dealing with these regular conflicts and i always find that that's really where horror can truly find a lot of success when it amplifies very real emotions that we have and anxieties about the world. And I think that this movie does a really good job of highlighting that. Especially considering it's one that, you know, quite honestly, like I I can't really relate in any way, shape or form necessarily uh, to what these uh, characters are going through. And while they may not be based on real people, there are a ton of people out there who are going through uh, what um, Bull and Rial are going through in this film. And so on a human level, I can definitely sympathize. But, you know, getting a chance to really um, see that experience and have it told in a way that is respectful towards the uh, immigrant experience and what they have to go through, you know, whether it's, I mean, accurate or not, I think the emotional element of the movie is uh, extremely effective in getting us to actually just care about these characters. Because at the end of the day, it's really just Bull and Rial that we follow throughout there. There's no one else. Yeah. yeah. And, and it should be noted just how great those performances are. Too. Oh, oh, my, my God. gosh. Yes. Yeah. Wumi Masaku, who I only know from Lovecraft Country at this point she's she's so so good in this um and 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 the husband whose name i will not try to pronounce it's it's here. definitely Chape. i Chape? i yeah <laughs> okay he he is really really strong he's it's weird because his face in some ways reminds me of jonathan majors yeah <laughs> which, yeah. <laughs> which made me think even more about lovecraft country while i was watching this but he's 
really, really strong. I mean, a lot of those scenes are just him and there's no dialogue and he's able to put across so much with just his face and like how he holds his body, the tension that he's holding. It's really, really strong work. I mean, and even when we get to, uh, you know, the second half of the film that we were mentioning earlier, it's like the performance is just kicking into overdrive and they are just really, really hitting these beats of emotion so, so well that you really do feel uh, the pain that these characters have been through, are going through. And there's also this cathartic acceptance uh, that I was really, really not expecting. Uh, but, you know, one of the other things I also just really appreciate about this movie is how much that this is a shared experience between the both of them. They are in this together. And in some ways, it's a love story between man and wife. Uh, that I also really appreciated in that regard. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting? Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not. It's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because... The news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily. I, I mean, I do think that between the two, like we said, they're both giving really great performances, but I was just really especially taken with um, Masaku. I, I think that the like emotional terrain that she has to navigate through in every single scene was just like so miraculous to watch. And even in the first part of the movie, when I was sort of a little frustrated with it, I still found myself so captivated by her performance that really, even without knowing the full context of everything still felt like so engaging and so intriguing to me. So even when I was kind of frustrated by the storytelling. I was still constantly pulled in by her performance and what she was doing on screen. And it's like a lot of people will come to this because they'll see that, you know, Matt Smith is in it. But Matt Smith doesn't really have anything to do in this, you know, for the most no. part. Yeah, he, he does what he has to do very well, but there's not a lot. <laughs> no, I think he knows that, hey, if my name is attached to this, he'll get some eyeballs on it. And that will only help like these other names um, become more recognizable in the future and I think to that extent I thought he was used very effectively because he does not try to overshadow anything that they are doing his role could have honestly been played by anyone so I, I mean that's not a dig at him to say that the performance is unremarkable I think that he knew exactly what he was doing in that regard yeah it's a supporting character that is not meant to intervene really at all into the story that much and it does come across as like, we got Matt Smith, so give us some money to make the movie and come see it because <laughs> Doctor Who is in it. But 
it doesn't feel like the character has any more relevant uh, doesn't have any more prevalence beyond that. And I think that's okay. And like you said, man, it's not a dinga against his performance. It's just that's not what the character is meant to be, and he plays the role to the appropriate level that he should be playing it at. Yeah, I mean, it's it's tricky to have a part that is almost a secondary antagonist, but he doesn't really ever come off antagonizing. Um, he, I fully felt sympathy with that character, and by extension, like, the more sympathy I felt for him, I also felt more sympathy for the main characters, because it is about, you know, like, wanting them to succeed and yeah. wanting them to be able to stay in England and not have to go back. It's the system that is yeah. fucked up, yeah. not necessarily exactly. uh, the people or maybe all people, you know, as represented by Matt Smith's character. Yeah, no, I I, I agree with that. Yeah. But also the movie does not fall into the trap of having him become a white savior too. Right. No, exactly. Yeah. I mean, he's the one who eventually says like, well, we have to report them now. Yep. And then does and is like and ends up being very impressed by yeah. the outcome. <laughs> it's like, well, I didn't have to do anything untoward. Okay. Now this is obviously a haunted house movie, but there's also, uh, as we talked about, uh, anxiety and fears uh, within the community as well. So even outside of what's happening uh, in the house that the two characters uh, get placed in, you know, there are scenes where they're going to stores, walking down the streets, interacting with other people within the neighborhood. And there's always this sense of unease. Like when is the other shoe going to drop kind of a feeling? And, you know, there's um one scene in particular where uh Rial um she she interacts with uh some young young boys uh in the neighborhood. My least favorite scene in the movie. Yeah, and they're telling her like go back to fucking Africa, you know, and things like that. And these are uh, black black kids in you know in London, uh, like like Rial, who's also black. But it's definitely not about race. It's more just about uh, the the immigrant experience in that regard. And I thought that that was very interesting uh, in the sense that Remy Weeks went out of his way to show. Um, no, this is not a movie necessarily about race. Yes, we have two black characters that are leading uh, this film. And this is a uh, experience that is very, very unique to them. But um, that's not what the movie's necessarily about. I didn't like that scene. Mm -hmm. I thought that in some ways it was playing to very stereotypical um, characters on both ends. And especially since Real doesn't seem to have a lot of problems with english or with expressing herself in english in other scenes in the movie but for some reason does in this scene interesting well but and... in that scene I, I would say that she is also like disoriented about where she is and yes. you know the lead up to that is all about her going through like this labyrinth within the estate yeah, and she can't was... yeah that was and, really and... well done yeah and i get what you're coming from dan i do think that it is it's not a subtle scene at all. It's very, yeah. very, very blunt. <laughs> yeah. And I don't think that that bluntness helps. It uh, it doesn't help it a whole lot. But what I did appreciate about it is its commentary about how some of these issues are not just 
racial that they are kind yeah. of in, within the class system, which, as we know, England has a very big problem with class. And yeah. I feel like that's maybe one of those cultural things within that country that is really emphasized within that scene. And it really showcases how there are so many different levels of oppression that people go through that when you are in an oppressed group, you will find any excuse to try to be above somebody else. And in a culture that values where you are within the class system so much, like like England has, I found that to be an interesting highlight to the story that you normally wouldn't get in too many others out there. So I agree with you. It could have been executed a little bit better, but I still really like the ideas that it was playing with, and I found that to still be really interesting. Oh, yeah. I, I really... I appreciated what it was saying ab absolutely 100%. And I will say I was very glad that the scene did not go in the direction I was afraid it was going to go yeah. the yeah. whole time. I was very happy that that didn't happen. So there's that. Now in terms of uh, scenes that we are afraid of, uh, what did we all <laughs> think of the jump scares, the horror moments, the imagery, without getting into spoilers, because I do want um, our listeners to see this movie for themselves. Uh, what did you guys think, especially when we get into that second uh, half of the film? I thought it was really well done, actually. I thought the design of the, um, for for lack of a better word, ghosts, um, the makeup and costumes and all the design involved with that were was really strong. And it was, what I liked about it was that no matter what angle we were looking at, these ghost-like figures from they had this uncanny look to them it wasn't exactly you know terrifyingly scary but there was just something this that was out of place and i think i will take that over the more traditional jump scare-ish uh character design any day of the week I think the imagery in this movie is really strong and yeah. does very much capture into like the creepiness of, of it all and really gives you a sense of unease. And it's really, really strong work, just both from like the visual standpoint, the makeup that they uh, have on these kind of ghostly apparitions. Uh, there's one kind of centerpiece character that's um, really impressive to watch and and has one of the most like, kind of gruesome scenes and a very uneasy <laughs> moment that I've seen in a movie this year yeah. towards the end. And mm -hmm. it's, it, oh, it's just so incredibly effective and well done. You know, Josh, you and I saw uh, another movie earlier this year called uh, Amulet. Yeah. And that movie, uh, you know, showed quote unquote beast like creatures. And this movie dials it back very, very much. And hides a lot of elements of that quote-unquote beast figure that when they actually, like, reveal it in this movie, I was absolutely petrified of it. To the point where I thought, that is so subtle and so scary, I am going to definitely have nightmares about this one day. I don't know when, but it's going to be, like, trapped in my subconscious. <laughs> oh, yeah. And the that entire sequence, like, yeah, we don't want to spoil it for people, but... Oh yeah, it's oh boy! Like, it's it did kind really of get well too. done. It's so well done. And there's nothing also that scares me more in any horror movie than being in a uh, dark room, lights off, mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden you hear, 
and it's coming towards you, and you're like, oh my god, where's it coming from? <laughs> I, can I, so can I tell you, I watched this late last night, um, you know, all the lights off, lying on the couch, and... The, the sound design in this movie was so good that there were times that I when I couldn't tell if what I was hearing was from the movie or from just my own environment. Yes. <laughs> and that is like that's that is, I think, great sound design. And that is effectively creepy. And I yeah, it was really good. And also, too, just in terms of just playing into uh, the sound design of the movie, too, uh, the score is also yeah. quite good as well. And there's so many elements uh, that borrow from um, that South African region in terms of incorporating um, elements of uh, of uh, the culture into the score, also into um, the costumes and the visuals of uh the 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 characters that torment um our our leads here it all adds up to a whole that just feels like it's so singular and has such a strong perspective that this is why i mentioned before it's one of the strongest horror movies of the year and i think even in any year uh that this would have come out it would have been uh, a strong movie because of the fact that it just feels so wholly unique yeah, I really like yeah. the the musical landscape of the movie too. I thought it was really it, it didn't overpower any scene, but it no. definitely helps to underscore, you know, no no pun intended, a lot of the like uh tension throughout. And it really supported it in a way that felt true to the story that it was telling. I thought it was yeah, very well done. Yeah, same. It especially in that scene that we were talking about earlier, where she's trying to get through this labyrinth of the estate yeah. that she's living on. The everything about that scene was so uh, was so so effective. But especially, I thought the sound design and the score worked really, really well to to get her mental state across. It was really well done. And I'll kind of put a uh, pin in it uh, by saying that. Yeah, I really like the ultimate takeaway message of the movie, too, in dealing with trauma and how trauma never really leaves you. But, you know, as long as you have, you know, your home, your health, uh, those who care about you, you can learn to live with the trauma of your past. And that that was something that, you know, the movie ends on that note and uh, mm. really resonated strongly with me. Yeah, I it's one of those things where I almost wish they hadn't just decided to state the ultimate theme of the movie so bluntly. But on the other hand, also I do kind of appreciate it. <laughs> because... I mean, it's a great final shot. Yeah. I, yes. I yeah. It, it. It, it's a great final moment. And yeah, I, yeah. But I agree with you, Dan, that they, they do state it pretty bluntly in dialogue, but I mean, you know, sometimes it works. And, and this is one of those situations where it, it did for me. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's one of those situations where it works. But also, like, I couldn't help but feel like when I got to that night, and I'm like, that was a note from Netflix, wasn't it? <laughs> like, like, they're like, we'll, we'll take this movie because it's really good. But you got to give us something for the people who stream this shit. <laughs> Well, I think it also maybe works a little bit better for me just because 
since it's so opaque in the first yeah. half of the movie, yeah. and I'm like struggling to figure out like what are the, like the real emotional stakes that happen. That even though it gets spelled out very bluntly in the second half, at least it's like okay, some relief. At least I know what's happening and what I'm supposed to be kind of getting from it. Yeah, I, I totally agree, and I think that's one of the things that it does work in the movie's favor, being so opaque in that first half, is that in the second half, when it does sort of like bluntly state what's going on, you're like, okay, I get it. Yeah, uh, now I at least have the context of what's yeah. happening. <laughs> yeah. And, and I'll just say, too, once again, um, the real-world reveal of what it is actually that these two characters uh, have gone through even if it's not a, a horror film, let's just say it was a straight up drama, that would be a absolutely harrowing, dramatic and traumatic scene in any film of any genre. And I really, really appreciated that the film, uh, even though it does kind of feel like, hey, gotcha, twist, kind of a moment, it, it, it's done in a way that, once again, is just very powerful and feels very, very respectful. It doesn't ever feel uh, manipulative, cheesy, or that it's like really trying to trying to push us in a direction that the film needs us to go in. It feels like a more natural progression. So I think that now that you've like seen the whole movie, I think that actually the first half does, to Josh's point way earlier in this review, it, the first half does get elevated now a little bit more. Uh, by what happens in the second half and actually i can appreciate the movie uh that much greater uh as a whole now yeah totally agree all right so any final thoughts on his house from dan i don't think i think we've covered everything i i just think it's a really just a really strong movie it is you know just what i want from a horror movie in just about every way you know it is it is thick with atmosphere it's got great performances and it doesn't just rely on the sort of jump scare scares it's really rooted in character in these specific people's situation and builds the horror from there and i really responded to it very strongly i get a little annoyed when there is a really good horror movie that comes out that does not have that many jump scares and then you show it to people because you're like, no, this is really good. And then they're like, oh, it wasn't that good. It was kind of slow. It was boring, you know? And that always disappoints me that that's what people are just looking for sometimes. Um, to which I would say, you know, if you want that, you do have a movie like The Invisible Man out there, which is a little bit more mainstream and has those jump scares. But that too also has a dramatic undercurrent that focuses on character that actually preys upon real world fears in a way that does not feel manipulative, but, but just really, really works in an emotional sense, you know? And so I, I, I think that that is like the difference sometimes is like, I like to go to horror movies that are going to not only obviously scare me, but also make me feel something other than just straight up heart attack inducing jump scare fears. <laughs> <laughs> so. same and to that point if you're looking for jump scares they are also here and done very well yeah i mean i think my final note before i get to josh here is uh there's like one little detail where um it's where what you call it uh bull gets scared uh by something that's coming from behind him and his his instinct shafei's instinct is to reach behind his neck with his hand 
even though we never ever see anything like in that area or something like that. And I just thought, wow, you know, that's interesting because like if I ever felt like a wind chill or a swipe or something like that, I think I too, instead of turning around, my first instinct would be to kind of like reach behind without even looking you know, of what's necessarily behind me. And that, that was just like this little detailed moment that I really appreciated a lot. Uh, Josh, what about you? I think for me, um, I have said most of what I think about this movie. It is very, very strong. Um, and I think that the way that it is able to blend a lot of different elements in terms of the themes that it's working with, with the more over, overt horror sensibilities with it, I think are so well executed and ultimately what i really find kind of interesting about it is sort of at the core of this is a lot of elements that you would find in like victorian horror movies and i just find it so interesting to take some of those elements and apply it to a wildly modern and really inventive context to it and I find that to be so interesting in terms of storytelling. And yeah, I think this movie has a lot to say. doesn't always say it in the strongest way, but it is still very effective when you're watching it. And I think it's a really great achievement. Dan, what's your grade out of 10? I am at an 8 out of 10. Nice. Awesome. Josh, what about you? Uh, I'm at a 7 out of 10. I really liked it. It's good. It's a good movie. I certainly recommend it. Um, it does have some issues that hold me back just a little bit, but it's still a, a pretty strong movie. And I, too, am at a very strong 7 out of 10 as well. Very, very minute nitpicks here and there, but overall, strong movie. Highly recommended. And now it's interesting because on my latest viewing of his house, I did have a thought cross my mind as it pertains to this year's award season. Do you think there is a world where this could get shortlisted for visual effects? I would love it, but no. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know about the visual effects. I actually think maybe the makeup could, because there are some pretty yeah. impressive sequences with some very stylized makeup. Um, yeah, I could see maybe fun. that being on the short list. Okay. All right. Yeah, no, because I was... Um... I, I guess I had forgotten from my previous viewing at Sundance about some more of the visual elements of this. And I just thought to myself, like, what was the budget on this again? <laughs> you know, so it, the thought crossed my mind. And of course, I think we have to mention uh, things like sound, of course. Um, I think that if there was ever a year where uh, hopefully Academy members are looking outside the box to, you know, fill up the sound category even though it's only one category this year, you know, I think his house has really excellent uh, design work. And I know if Cody Derricks was here right now, he would be saying horror movies need to get their due more often in the sound category at the Oscars. Yeah. It's great work uh, that should definitely be considered. I am skeptical about how far it will go in that regard, but definitely should be under consideration because it is very good work. And I also agree with Cody that horror movies are so dependent oftentimes on their sound design to create that atmosphere of suspense. And this one does a pretty good job at it. And then the last thing I'll also bring up here is I know that we've seen so many great directorial debuts this year. Um, I would like to just throw Remy Meeks's name out there if uh, anyone's looking for first-time DGA nominee shortlist. And oh, absolutely! Just trying to you know put some names out there. I think this is a, such a very th this is such a strong debut that it's not like oh like I'm interested in seeing what they do next because I see potential like in in kind of like a 
yeah, it's flawed, but let's see. Like, this is so strong that I, I think that he has the potential to make something really, really great, you know, even after this. My expectations are pretty high. <laughs> totally agree. And also, like, shout out to the cinematographer because this movie looks amazing. I yeah. kept thinking about, like, how much this budget must have been and, like, the fact that it looks as good as it does never, ever betrays how much it must have cost. Yeah, and like we were talking about earlier, too, I mean, that second half, it's like you don't ever expect it based on, you know, how small and intimate the film feels at times in terms of its uh, its uh, its setting. You don't expect yeah. it to really go wide the way that it does and... Yeah, no, very, very impressed by it. Uh, like I said, it, it felt understated at first. It's never showy, but the, all of a sudden it just becomes very showy out of nowhere. And you, you're like, what? Mm. <laughs> so, all right, that'll do it here for our discussion of his house here on the Next Best Picture podcast, currently streaming on Netflix. Dan Bear, where can I find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at Dance and Dan on Film. Josh Parham. I am on Twitter at J.R. Parham. And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Happy Halloween, everyone. You have been listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. You can subscribe to us on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, Acast, CastBox, also on Google Play. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support. And if you head on over to Patreon, you will get some exclusive podcast content from us for $1 minimum a month. Thank you so much for listening. As always, we shall see you all next time. Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.